Cube presents the making of. Cube presents the making of. So we're going to go deep in your life, just so you know. Okay, sure, sure. And music. Yep. And the whole journey. Okay. All right. Q presents the making of... Q presents the making of... Hello, I'm Ted Kessler, and this is Q Presents the Making of, a podcast brought to you by the world's best music magazine, Q. Each week, we're going to take you on a journey through the life and work of a great musician. And, like you, we'll ask the big questions. Who are they? Where does their music come from? And what are they all about? Let's find out. My guest this week is Jason Williamson of Sleaford Mods. He's the voice of his group, and Andrew Fern is in charge of the music. Sleaford Mods are a very unusual pop group. They met in their late 30s in 2009, and they didn't really make any impact at all for at least six years when they were comfortably middle-aged. Pair make music which is rhythmic and minimal, and Jason's lyrics describe a Britain which has mostly been ignored in pop songs. These are songs about grot, about everyday life, about disappointment, about drab food and dull work. Somehow, though, the pair deliver something brilliant and beautiful. Jason, hello. Q presents the making of. Q presents, oh, you've got me now, I'm here all day. Q presents the making of. Hello, Ted, how are you? I'm good, how are you? How's your I'm day right. been? Uh, yeah, good so far, yeah. Yeah, I've been busy, I've been, been interviewed for the up-and-coming new album we've done, so uh, so yeah, it's, it's good. If, uh, if, if, if your day's full of interviews, then I'm happy, you know what I mean? Because you're busy. Yeah, because, you know, people are interested, so to speak, aren't they, I guess, to a certain degree. So you, so you have this <laughs> new album... Yes. It's called Eaten Alive. Yeah. Um, you're releasing on your own label. Yes. How are you feeling about it right now? Better than I was. Uh, it was uh, a bit of a chaotic departure, premature premature departure from Rough Trade. Um, uh, and without going into it too much, it was uh, yeah, a little bit of a horror show to start with. But mm. um, we are up and running now. Good. Um, do you get more nervous before, say, release day? Or before recording or before a gig which is the most nerve-wracking experience of those three? Uh, album campaigns are, are, are usually quite horrible uh, because it's your you put yourself into this piece of work fully and uh, you know you're delivering it to people to comment on yeah. and uh, it's just horrible uh, the whole thing uh, I like press trips I like creating the album obviously I like doing the cover uh, uh, but but um, you know the anticipation around its re- its reception is uh, it can crush you really mm. uh, but yeah mm. 
but the reception's been good so far. The reception's been really good. So it's been really good. So uh, yeah, I, I, I think I, I, you know I've got an habit of like just uh, concentrating on the negative all the time, and um, you know uh, you are right. Uh, the reception's been good so far, and uh, you know things are things are actually all right. And there's worse jobs, isn't there? You know what I mean? Yeah, Let's face it. Yes. Which we'll be discussing later. Hopefully. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Your label is called Extreme Eating Records. Yes. Why is that? It's private joke between me and Andrew. Um, you know, like at night when you're <laughs> when you're watching telly and you're like, oh, I'm really hungry, but I can't be asked to fix it. Yeah. So you just go to the fridge and you you know you get a spoon, <laughs> or or even your finger and just dip it in some mayonnaise or or some jam <laughs> or what Andrew marmalade no what about marmalade oh that's really it's extreme and it's extreme eating <laughs> so that's where that came I from got you. okay <laughs> what, what, you like your tucker there don't you from twitter oh, God, it's yeah. you're always going on about what you just had yes to eat. love it love it yeah. what, what's your let's say let's let's build your um death row meal what would it be Oh, God, I don't know. Uh, somebody else asked me that. One of your colleagues asked me that, actually. Yeah, we were obsessed by it, too. That's yeah, I mean. uh, and I did say last time that it would be risotto. Risotto? <laughs> 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 You've changed. But, yeah, I, w- I really like risotto right. and, you know, and garlicky risotto and cheese and chicken in it and that, lovely. But, no, uh, now uh, I'm really bang into egg and chips. And I'm not just saying that. Egg and chips, oven chips. Uh, my Claire orders in these oven chips. She normally does the shopping online and that. So we get these oven chips in. Oh, they're great with eggs. I have two eggs, oven chips, and I have sausages. Uh, because my wife's gluten free, she buys in these gluten free sausages, and they're like little skinny chipolatas. Oh, yeah. And you get 18 to a pack. We lob them all in. Oh, they're lovely. And, uh, yeah, so that is my favourite meal at the minute. <laughs> Sounds good. Um, Eaten Alive is your 11th album in 12 years. Yeah. How do you keep that sort of rate up when you compare it to, say, the Stone Roses, who've done two albums in 30? I know. I mean, that's the Stone Roses, isn't it? I mean, two of those songs would carry them for a good 40 years, I think. <laughs> um How do you keep that work rate up? <clears throat> it's, it's There's always something to say, I think, because it's such a... DIY, not DIY, it's like a throwaway approach almost, isn't it? It's like, mm. right, loop, okay, go. Uh, but it's it's obviously changed now. Eating Alive is a bit more song-based, it's a bit more mature, it's, it's developed a little bit more. I've had to think about it more in the sense of what I do to Andrew's music. Uh, Andrew's music has become a lot more advanced, in my opinion, you know, a bit tougher, more confident. Uh yeah, I don't know. The, the process is quite quick, just full of ideas, you know. Mm. And I suppose, you know, it's, it's it's feasible, isn't it, to do it? I mean, some people do two or three albums a year, don't they? Uh, some artists. But um, <clears throat> it's, it's, it's it's doable at the minute, you I'm know. I'm trying to think of one. I think Ty Seagal, he, he, he's, he's, oh, yeah, his he output's does, yeah. quite... Uh, yeah. uh, well, Pretty childish, was. too, as well. Yes, yes, yeah. Pretty much yeah. the same record, but he does do it quite often. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Uh, what's your favourite lyric on eating? Yes. Uh, my favourite lyric on eating alive is, oh God, I don't know. There's a few of them actually. Uh, little slits in asses don't want you thinking big. You know that that's that's from up where I living where I lived in Grantham. Um, my uh, we lived on a, a, a kind of sixties 
council built estate right and up from us around sort of the late 70s around 1980 they built estates up the hill uh, and uh, they were considered to be quite modern and um but now they're just even worse than the ones I lived in. Right. Uh, so, uh, and, and the windows in them are really almost like, you know, those arrow windows yeah. in castles. It's like that, you know, and it's, all, it's a, that idea about keeping people compressed in their shoe boxes, their, their concrete shoe boxes, you know, don't give them any ideas, you know what I mean? I just realised that when I asked you that question, I described the album as being called Eating Mess. I think that's because we're talking about food. And in the back of my mind, I got stuck with did eating mess. Did you say eating mess? I did say eating mess. I'm oh, pretty okay. sure I did. I, you said eating alive. I'm sure you did. But it's kind of the... Yeah, it's just I, st- I was thinking about mm. pudding. So I'm, I oh, yeah. about that. Oh, I love pudding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favourite pudding? At the minute? Um, <sighs> I don't know, really. <laughs> oh, um, uh, what you call it? Um, uh, the French thing. Uh, if I go out, I always Profiterole. have that. No, uh, you know, the, the thing with the frosted top, with the burnt top. Creme caramel. That's the one. Beautiful. That is classic, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm. I've been trying one. to branch out, but, you know, I, I don't like change a lot of is, the time. Do you think this this food love desire is, is sort of a conversation for um, no drinking drugs? Or were, you, were you always into food? Uh, no, I think it is a bit. I think it's certainly not up. You know, it's it's gone up a gear. Uh, I, I always like food, yeah, and I eat pretty similar things to what I did with it when I was, um, you know, a bit of a toe rag. But um, but no, it's it's definitely changed because I go to the gym a lot now, and so that requires that you uh, that you refuel a lot. So I'll have two biggish meals a day. Uh, when I started going to the gym and coming home, I'd walk in the house or whatever, just sit about have a coffee, and then all of a sudden I'd feel really depressed. And then I'd start panicking. And so I said to my wife, I feel really depressed. Do you think I'm having a breakdown? And she went, no, you just need to eat. <laughs> and, you know, it was right. You need to keep fueling your body if you're going to lift weights. So I do that quite a lot. And uh, so, yeah, my intake of food has uh, increased. When you say quite a lot, how often... Uh, every day, really, if I can. Right. I mean, if the kids are at home, probably won't get out then. Uh, um, Bo is like three years old, and he's just like it's just it's just like a little dinosaur. It's just noise. He's he's his behaviour is just all over the place. So I don't really get out then. Uh, but yes, on a whole, I try to go every day. You've got a daughter as well, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah. And how, what what's the difference? Do you feel in their personalities characters at that same age she's manageable yeah and she does her own thing whereas he just is either he's either going rah at you or he's just crying screaming uh yeah stuff like that you know how they do you know you know don't you so so yeah um uh yeah it's just trying to navigate that hope he sort of grows out of that soon really so you go to the gym more often (laughs) Yeah, yeah 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 Yeah. Uh, let's. Well, you brought it up, so let's talk about um, where you were raised. What was, was what was home like? Where you? Um, it was all right. It was like um, I suppose anybody in the seventies, from uh, a kind of uh, uh, working class area would be really. Um, I often thought that estates were tower blocks, but they're not, are they? Because because what we had was an estate. Every house looked the same. 
your schools are half a mile away that looks the same you know cemetery looks the same the pub looks the same the park looks the same so um so yeah it was all right whereabouts know. is this in grantham, grantham yeah. um and so uh, yeah it wasn't bad but it was a newish estate um uh so uh it was just a regular childhood i guess uh, up until sort of nine ten when my parents divorced and again a lot of parents did divorce back then but it, and it was quite a new thing divorce wasn't it yeah uh it was still considered to be a bit um you know ooh, you don't do that so uh so yeah so after that it continued to be normal but um But but not really. I suppose quite unhappy in some some respects, Uh, and quite uh, you know feeling displaced, losing the company of your father, parental father, uh, natural father. Sorry, is a big deal, I think, because even though I didn't have a solid relationship with either my mum or my dad, because I was too young to appreciate that. Um, you, their presence, you, you, you really miss their presence when one of them goes. So, uh, so yeah, it was a bit odd to start with. But, you know, you get on with it. And um, I was by no means uh, thrown into an emotional pit of despair. I just got on with it, you know. Did this manifest itself at school in any way? Because you're like nine or ten, so that's... Yeah, that's um... Uh, no, I don't think I didn't go inwards. I didn't start torturing pets, you know, stuff like that. Or uh, started doing that later. Or I did actually did. To- I went for a period of torturing Daddy Longlegs, and I had a death chart of them on the front of the house, which I often think back to. You know, could have gone the other way, couldn't it? Really. Uh, but no, I did have a rabbit, and that died in its hutch. But uh, uh, that was due to neglect but not a sadistic neglect i was just too young and everybody else couldn't be asked to feed it either so it went um but yeah <laughs> <laughs> you were you were you weren't a murderer basically no you i were. wasn't thank yeah. god yeah yeah it's good yeah, yeah. Uh, and and how were you at, like at school academically were you tuned um, in or tuned out i wasn't very good no i had to have extra lessons after school at primary school uh, my teacher was concerned uh, and no, I couldn't collect my thoughts as regards mathematics or English. I, d- I just didn't connect to it. Um, so, uh, so no, I wasn't great. And that went on into comprehensive school as well, you know, secondary school. So yeah. uh, I wasn't great, really. Did you did you have a dream? Did you want to do something when you were at school? I wanted to be famous. Just famous? That's yeah, just wanted to be famous. I wanted to be an actor initially um, because uh, I threw myself into the fantasy world of Hollywood films, which were in abundance at that time, you know. You know, all the greats, you know, Wizard of Oz, all those Roman films, you know, Victor Mature, biblical films, Charlton Eston, all that business, The Great Escape. I wanted to be that. Uh, and I dreamed of uh, going to America and uh, becoming a famous actor. And so from that point onwards, life had... My my goal was to achieve an environment like that. But when I watched these films, I wanted to feel like... I wanted to feel... Uh, that's how I felt about life, you know, around mm. me. So that's what I wanted. So And I figured fame and everything else would uh, be the answer. 
<laughs> but you didn't. Were you in a school band or anything? Were you in a band? As, no, no. So no. not music. It was acting or just famous. Just I want to be just well known. Just wanted to be famous. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't connect music with fame. I just connected music with a passion. And right from the off, when my parents divorced, my mum's um, uh, new partner had three sons, and his eldest son was a big Pistols fan. And I was aware of the Sex Pistols because they really did take hold of the country at the time. It was like, it was almost quite scary. And I can remember just this feeling about it all. Uh, you know, whatever weak messages were being processed through various media, TV or, and the radio and etc. And um, <clears throat> but and then I got to investigate that further and was completely obsessed with them for a while. Uh, 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 particularly Steve Jones and just this idea of this, you know, they were horrible, weren't they? Yeah. It, it was They were quite horrible, you know, swearing and picking their noses and that was just horrible so <laughs> it was like yeah i really liked it they know. were really unlovable weren't they I they remember. were yeah, yeah they, they weren't trying to be loved in any way unlike all other bands until that stage which i've been aware of everyone wanted to be liked they did not want to be liked no no and that made you like them more yes yeah and i remember walking into my stepbrother's um, bedroom and the first person i saw was steve jones with his flying v at I think it was the famous photograph from the Winterland Ballroom in San right. Francisco, and he had that pink dinner jacket on, and John John Lydon looked like a proto Adamant, didn't he, or whatever? Uh, it just looked fantastic, like a pirate or something. And it's just so powerful, uh, and yeah, and so I connected to music in that way, in that in that passionate way, and. Um, you know that it went from there really my relationship with music but yeah the idea of fame i was totally married to this idea of wanting to be an actor you know as a kid q presents the making of q presents the making but you of... went to san francisco didn't you to find to find to find a fame band. Yeah. to find f- fame was it yeah. a band or fame or just to find a band yeah because i was in a band in grantham and like i got kicked out which really pissed me called? off we were called what were we called uh, Cust- no, Marmalade J. That was it. <laughs> what were you like? Uh, it was indie, wishy-washy yeah. indie, wonder stuff. No disrespect to the under stuff, but it was kind of wishy-washy, long hair, talking about my feelings. Type, <laughs> type indie stuff. And um, yeah, uh, it, yeah, I, I got kicked out and they, they put an ad in the paper for another, someone and they, they got another singer. But because they were all my close friends, I still I was still confronted with the band, so it was a real knock, and I felt quite angry about it. And um, they got this other singer in who became a good friend as well. And uh, you know, uh, so in the end, when I when I got a bit of money in my pocket, I, uh, I you know, I you know, my, my dad told me we'd got this faint relation in San Francisco so uh, I, I wrote her a letter and she said come over for a couple of weeks so I, I invited myself over for six months <laughs> no eight months actually yeah much to her uh, disapproval and you didn't have a great time though did you That's, no it's terrible what, what was the low points uh, the low points were sitting in a laundry room in an apartment complex as a security guard uh drunk and stoned absolutely shitting myself because uh you know i mean it was quite a it's completely different to a small town grantham you know it's yeah people on i remember getting the bart because that was the underground from 
I was in Fremont, which was just outside of France, uh, Silicon Valley. Right. And the, the place where I worked was a place called Har- uh, Haywood, which was closer to San Francisco. And they were all on the BART. It was like the underground, you know. And uh, it was just, you know, you get on there at night and there'd be people spitting at other people. There'd just be weirdos, you know, a lot of people with mental issues and stuff. And it just freaked me out. Uh, but it didn't help that I was taking whiz and drinking and doing, you know, getting stoned before I went to work. But it was the only way to get through it, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, that was the low point, sitting in this laundry room night after night thinking, filling in. Because I, I used to have to patrol the area every hour. And you can imagine, I was 21, you know, and a real, I'm not a fighter, I'm not violent, I'm, I, you know, I've never done anything like that. And you, you'd have to go and uh, knock on the door to um, domestic uh, if there was, you know, you'd get a call through saying there's a domestic problem. Sounds so stressful. And uh, so you'd knock on the door and be like, yeah, what do you want? So, uh, and then you'd have to call the police and then you started getting worried because I didn't have a green card and the police would come and it would just be like, this is too much. So you uh, came home? Uh, I came home after nine months, yeah. yeah. Or rather she kicked me out. And um, yeah, I got, I got a plane home. That was it. Then a little later on, you moved to London. I did, with yeah. With your band called Meat Pie. Well, no, Meat Pie was uh, formed in Nottingham. Oh, apologies. But I bought. I moved to London with the uh, uh, with the idea of getting a band going. Uh, I'd learnt enough on the guitar to be able to piece together some chords. Obviously, was obsessed with uh, this idea of being able to play and sing and um you know let's do it you know what i mean and uh, i bought myself an epiphone casino and an ac30 i got a loan from barclays bank and um i worked in a camera shop on baker street i don't know if it's still there actually i keep meaning to always go down there to see if it's still there but it was terrible it was terrible but this is when Britpop came up and it was quite exciting in a way i was obsessed with you know this um <clears throat> this uh, uh modded in- uh, was enjoying a, a, another renaissance mm-hmm. and uh it was it was perfect really i mean i was motivated to get into back into music through um paul weller's wildwood obviously roses and stuff like that obviously oasis had come along and really surprised everybody um so uh so it was a great time in that respect but uh, then it turned very sour very quickly you know got a little bit cliched and a bit this and a bit that and plus I couldn't afford to live in London it was just getting too much I was working I moved from a uh, camera shop to Dr Martin in Covent Garden when they opened that store there and uh, but it was it was not good because I just couldn't afford the rent and uh, so I moved up to Nottingham yeah and formed Meat, meat pie. pie tell us yeah. about Meat Pie well, Meat Pie was a mixture of uh, sort of humble pie-esque Small Faces R&B mixed with a tinge of Guns N' Roses. Uh, but obviously not not anywhere near as good as any of those bands. But that's what I wanted. I was obsessed with <clears throat> primarily Humble Pie's BBC sessions where they did a cover of uh, Heartbeat, Buddy Holly's Heartbeat, and then did a few other things. But it's just still so good. And... Uh, I was uh, obsessed with Appetite for Destruction and which is what's the fa- small face I forgot what it's called now you know where they're on the front in little squares it's a black cover and it had um, God, I can't remember I don't know can't remember anyway I was obsessed with that album and uh, <clears throat> I just wanted to try and do that but um, 
although I got the band up and running, we did gig after gig after gig. I think we, we supported Brubaker actually, right. Paul Gallagher's band, yeah, uh, in Manchester. And I can remember <laughs> going down there, and um, yeah, we'd sound checked, and I come off stage, and I went for a I went to the toilet and I came back and Paul Gallagher walked in with a bottle of JD in his hand and he just looked at me as if to say, you fucking student. (laughs) (laughs) It couldn't be further from the truth, but... Yeah, all right. I mean, you know, it was... They they had the fingers firmly all over the musical map for a very long time. It was just concrete. It wasn't going anywhere. They'd nailed it. So, uh, but yeah, anyway, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and that disbanded uh, after I got sick of it. I just it, it kind of went into a Black Sabbathy type thing. Were more, you like the front rock. man? And yes, guitarist. yeah, so yeah. You, so when, it dis- when you actually split it up when you say it disbanded, did you just yeah, say well, yeah. I kind of kicked someone out, and then we went to a free piece for a bit, which was all right. But the dr- then the drummer wasn't very good, and I just didn't like the bass player anyway. No offense, Pete, if you're listening. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but. Um, but no, it just wasn't working. And I just thought, and I can remember being in a pub with my then partner and uh, Stereophonics had came over the airways with handbags and glab rags and it just f- sent me into a rage. And I just thought, this is, I've had enough. <laughs> if, they've, if these lot have discovered this, and no disrespect to you lads, but if you have discovered this, then this, I'm doomed. This is just done. It's done. The arena's done. Right. So yes, and so after that was there a little period of calm before Sleaford Mods. Or, or did... um, I moved into various other things. I was singing in a band called Stone Cold Williamson for a while, which moved more into Terry Callagher, Terry Callagher esque kind of you know soulful, soulful but it was kind of voodoo beats, kind of like really kind of atmospheric. You know, a lot of that stuff, uh, what's his name, um, uh, David Axelrod, right. you know, that kind of business, you know, and I really got into a lot of that stuff. Um, Terry Reid, uh, God, the, the list goes on. That's uh, a yeah, not really so much, but, you know, just, uh, uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, who else? Fred Neal uh, moved into stuff like that. Um, so yeah, I got into that for a bit and I was just singing and that was all right. And then we split up, uh, didn't work out, you know, um, uh, and so, uh, and then started moving into electronica and doing various projects, people, cause I had a reputation of having a decent voice around Nottingham. People would always, Oh, do you fancy do a singing on this? And I go, all right. Yeah. And then I realized that walking into a studio and just sitting down and looking at someone on a screen going like that with a microphone in the corner was a lot easier. And, uh, there was no hugging, lugging instruments around and having to try and build, uh, a, 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 an original sound out of a genre that was just absolutely saturated with people doing it. And I thought, well, no, this, this just feels a bit more me, uh, modern, you know, a bit yeah. more contemporary and with the times. And it kind of suited how I was beginning to feel. I was starting to become increasingly bitter <laughs> and unreasonable <laughs> and uh, angry and, uh, you know... <clears throat> So yeah, so uh, that's that's how I moved into that area. Yeah, yeah. And you had a, so you met your partner, original partner in Sleeping Mods, Simon. When I met Simon uh, when I joined this band called the Good Livers, and we were like, uh, it was a lot was, of bands, aren't they? Yes, wow. 
He was. Uh, this was uh, the the man behind this was a guy called Gary Marsden, who was a DJ around town. He'd done a lot of electronica dance projects. He was a uh, one of the DJs at Venus under James Bailey, and. Um, I knew Gary anyway, and he was like, do you want to come down and do some singing? What I liked about the setup was they were there every night, so I could go there after work, and you can guarantee they'd be there. You could get drunk. What I really liked was the fact, because no, nobody had any money, they'd be buying, like, you know, like White Storm, you know, the real... And we mixed that, because it tasted so horrible, with, uh, you know, like blackcurrant, you know juice or whatever uh, and i like the fact that they just lived it because that's what i wanted to do i wanted to because i had nothing around me i had no responsibilities like kids or anything like that uh, just me and my little room in whatever house i was living in uh and uh, i finally arrived at a place where people were wanting to do it every day so uh so so we 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 just huddled ourselves into the studio and, and wrote this album it took a year uh and um uh, it was all right. I mean, I've not heard it. I don't. I don't know if there's any copies about it. It's, it was all right. I'll, but I learned a lot from Gary about how to formulate songs, about how to listen to things, how to keep playing back certain parts of songs that weren't quite right until you iron the problem out. And uh, yeah, and that's obviously how I got to know Simon. Uh, he was the engineer. So uh, so yeah. So when that fell to bits, as it does and uh gary you know we lost our way with it and um i just you know by then i was starting to write these lengthy monologues on paper about how disgustingly bad my life was <laughs> i couldn't actually believe how crap it was <clears throat> and um i really had sunk to lows and lows and lows i was you know i was in all kinds of bother i was getting sacked from job to job i was stealing money from people i was in debt with dealers and i was living month to month i was borrowing money off my mum i was shit my mum went into debt because of it all these things and i was i was you know on a on on a road to nowhere basically i was going towards a brick wall and uh, uh and the only way to pull myself out of this was to to start writing about it and i found that writing about it came really easy and but it was it wasn't only just bleak it was funny as well because i don't know why the humor just just seeped into it and uh and uh and so i after after the livers you know disbanded and sort of i said to part do you fancy getting together you know and he said well what are you going to do and i'm like well do you want to you know try and loop something you know do it that way it originated from being in the studio trying to rinse out the last good livers idea and this guy came in the studio says i've got this new cd of the band lads john it. so we put it on and he left and went this is shit anyway because yeah it's crap in it and, and he goes hold on a minute hold on a minute. why don't you do that and he, he'd loop half looped a bit and he said why don't you shout over that because we were in a way of making ourselves laugh we'd just shout at each other really loudly and, and like pretend we were beating each other up and we did this for quite a while so he goes why don't you shout over that and i went all right and that was it <laughs> the birth of sleeve of mods and it was about i don't know i, I was slagging off david bowie or some other thing i don't know why uh and uh it seemed to work so that's how sleeve of mods came about and so you made a few records together yeah as, as you two uh-huh and then and when did how did you meet andrew when did andrew come into the picture uh andrew uh andrew came into the picture about um it was 2009 after oh okay well it might be later actually 10 i don't know okay. you know uh, you can't, yeah. And I'm just going by Wikipedia. They don't know anything, really. 
already? Um, no, no. I think it was about 2010 or something. And yeah, so uh, yeah, I met him at a place called The Chameleon. I was supporting a guy called John, a noise guy. I did a lot of supports for the noise scene in Nottingham. And, uh, and um, because obviously they thought it was a little bit odd and I'd go well with you know this thing i mean the stage act was just me and the backing track path wasn't there i just used to use a cd player and a remote control and i'd hook the cd player up to the the pa and uh i'd have the remote control and i'd just stop the tune and start the next one with the remote control and then to go up to the mark and start shouting <laughs> <laughs> and so um so yeah so i did one gig at the chameleon one night and it came downstairs and i was talking to this john I forgot his second name, but he was a prominent noise artist from Los Angeles. Oh. I was quite chuffed that I was supporting someone that was so revered in the underground noise world. So uh, I was having a cigarette outside, and then I heard this music from upstairs, and it just sounded so horrible. And it was it was really bleak, but it was quite melodic. It was it was it was minimal, and it was stuff that I'd been looking for to rep to, to replace this i these these dusty beats I was looping, you know, from other bands and. And so uh, I went up there, and Andrew's there with his mate Matt and uh, bobbing along. I went, all right, mate. <laughs> he goes, all right. And he goes, oh, good set. I said, oh, thank you, you know. Uh, and uh, I said, who's this? And he said, oh, it's me. I said, what is it? I mean, it was a remix of, I think it was Careless Whisper. He goes, yeah, it's me. I've just done a remix of it. And I said, oh, do you want to get together? He said, uh, yeah, all right then. <laughs> so three weeks later, I got together with him in his flat, in his little flat. And uh, we recorded a song called All That Glue, which didn't stick, really. <laughs> it wasn't that good. And then I ignored it. Yeah, we didn't bother seeing each other for two or three months. And and then I needed some help with an idea I had at another recording studio. And uh, so I, I gave him a ring because I knew he had some bits. And uh, that's, that's, that's it. We didn't look back. And how's your relationship evolved over the years? Um, I don't know if it has. I think it has. I don't know. <laughs> I but think, do you get on better now than you did at the start, or is it the same we, we, sort we've of thing? Never, we've always just got on. I think we argue a bit more now, probably fall out a bit more. He's a bit more, no, I don't want to do that. But uh, that's just the way Andrew is, you know. And uh, But, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's a remarkable thing, but it's quite unremarkable at the same time, you know. Um, but yeah, you know, we get, we we just carry on. What is the what is the thing you're most proud about with your partnership? Of the albums of of like you know at the time nothing was happening in music really. I mean obviously there was music music's forever changing blah blah blah. But you know on the commercial landscape there was call happening. It was all shite. So we came along and shook it up. I think I'd like to I'd like to be remembered as a as a band that shook it up, uh, a band that steered away from what was at the time just over indulgent just you know lab bands blah 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 you know it just wasn't very interesting and um i like i'd like to think that uh we 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 shook it up you know it mm. was there bang you changed the channel i think definitely so yeah i'd like to think so a different kind of music is is now acceptable in a yes way. Yeah. yeah you know there's a lot of people kind of floating towards this minimalism idea bass and blah 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 whether it's post-punk or what you know but um but yeah but I'm, also lyrically as well and the way you deliver the lyrics as well i think that's that's changed the tone 
Yes, it has. Yeah, a little bit. And I was reluctant to admit that before, but I'm going to have it now. Fuck it. Yeah, you should do. Yeah, I will. Thank you. Okay, my pleasure. <laughs> Q presents the making right, of... Right, let's just change our own little channel now. Okay. I'm going to ask you some um, general questions about music. Not like a quiz. It's not a pub quiz or anything. Just like about what you're into. Okay. Okay. What was the first record that you can remember that you really liked? I think it must have been the Smurfs or something. Uh, Scooby-Doo soundtrack. That's a classic though, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah. the Scooby-Doo ones came in 12 inches that were episodes, I think, or just stories. And it was just one of them. And I remember putting it on thinking, oh, wow. You know, Scooby-Doo was the best cartoon out at the time, easily. Yeah. You know, hands down. So <laughs> that all the Smurfs. We're the same vintage, I agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah not yeah. Smurfs, not so much. What do you think about kids' uh, theme tunes now? Or any that you like? <laughs> Uh, kids theme tunes yeah I mean uh, Night Garden that's classic uh, I like uh, Go Jetters that's alright Go 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 Jetters yeah. uh, and what else PJ Masks PJ Masks is alright um, what great uh, oh. I can't remember how's it going PJ Masks is PJ Masks night time is the right time to fight crime uh, I know but it's, I it's not stuck with rhyme. me it's not stuck uh, with me it's not stuck with you me need to return to the source material yeah um, what else um, Andy's Dinosaur Adventures that's quite good yeah uh, quite a few yeah okay uh, what was the first record that you bought can you remember that first record that I bought was Something Else by Sid Vicious, well, it was a cover of Eddie Cochran's classic. The Seven Inch. Yes, and it was part of a thing called a Pistols Pack, where it had all of the singles back-to-back. And uh, I keep trying to get my brother, whenever I see him, to sell it to me, but he won't. I mean, I could probably buy one on eBay, really. I mean, it wouldn't be that much, would it? I don't know. Um, Was there music in the house that you grew up in? Yeah, but my old man was never into any classics. Well, he was. I mean, he was a big Beatles fan, but we never he never really played them. He just talked about it, how he owned them. And we're like, well, get them out, because they're better than this Human League crap. But at the time, obviously, Human League's very good now, but at the time, as a kid, it was like, no, this is boring. And a Queen, he liked Queen as well, and he bought We Are The Champions, um, and the theme to Flash, crap. Depressing. Makes yeah. Me feel depressed. Yes, it does yeah. me. I di- I just never got into them as 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 good as they are, obviously are. But um, yeah, um, Randy Crawford, which was good actually. He had a, he had a thing for Neil Diamond as well. But this is when the divorce happened, so he'd come in with these sad records and sit there and I'd be like, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> All right. What was mm. the uh, first gig you went to? First gig I went to. God. I keep telling everyone it was Public Enemy at Rock City. Um, And I'm sure it was, but I can't think of another professional gig I went to uh, apart from Public Enemy at Rock City. Before that, uh, I've probably seen a local band at the youth centre. But um, it was definitely Public Enemy at Rock City in 1987. That should be your story anyway. I think that sounds pretty good. Yes, yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, What bands changed your wardrobe? Um, jam pistols initially but then I used to get laughed at for wearing beetle brothel creepers and a Sid's Dead t-shirt and I used to put Marge in my ear as well which I got laughed at as well really it was Paul Weller you know and it was peer group pressure initially but then I learned to love him very quickly yeah yeah and then it was uh, it, you know it went from there you know and it was everything mod 
Where are you on the Weller scale now? Um, I don't listen to his new stuff much, you know. I did uh, like a couple of bits um, off the album before the last one. Uh, And um, I got uh, a friend of mine gave me a copy of the new one. You know, it's all right, but it's not... It's not as it doesn't draw me to it as much as the. Uh, it's not going underground. No, not the jam stuff. But more, you know, I still have a really soft spot for some Star Council and uh, his uh, first few solo albums are are really good. You know, they're still brilliant. Wildwood's still brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's done a lot of good stuff. You know. Mm. What song reminds you of meeting your wife? Um, what song reminds me of meeting my wife? Uh, God, she's going to kill me if I get it wrong. Uh, there was a few actually. They're your memories, though, not her. I guess they're. Uh, yeah. Um, what's that tune? That oh God, I forgot what it is. I can't remember. It's, I'm not even going to try singing it either because it is quite abstract. I don't know really. Actually, saying that, Doors' first album. She came over to my mum. I was living at my parents, and she came over with a laptop. And she and she put it on in bed. And we were both drunk and stoned and whatever, and and we and we listened to the first Doors album, which I knew anyway well. But um, it's just so brilliant. It's and, so brilliant. Uh, yeah, but not enough people agree with us on that. I don't oh think. God, you've got to be stupid to think otherwise. It's just, it's a it's a work of complete art. I think really and, and things he was talking about and they're in their early 20s they're yeah, really young i know the guitarist know. is 19 yeah 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 i mean it's incredible really yeah. really yeah. just wow mm. okay um <clears throat> imagine that there's someone who's never heard sleaford mods yeah it's hard to imagine i know uh, but let's just imagine that and he wants to impress them but you only had one song to play them which sleaford mod song would you play them I would probably play them. Um, <clears throat> hmm, it's a tough one. I don't know actually. Uh, uh, Tarantula, Deadly Cargo, or I would probably play them. Silly Me. I'm really quite proud of that one. And uh, God, there's loads tied up in knots. No, you're going to pick one. I'm oh, giving right. you one. That's the thing. Tarantula, one. Deadly Cargo. Okay, good. Getting near the end of this now. Okay, guys. all right. How are you feeling? Really good. Yeah. Okay. Did you ever read a uh, Smash Hits magazine? Yes. You did. Yeah. Okay, so you know about the biscuit tin. Mm, so there's the thing where they'd have a biscuit tin full of questions. Okay. And the pop star would then have to pick them out. And they're just sort of random, silly questions, uh-huh. but occasionally you'd learn something. Okay. Deep. Well, we, we've got. I've got an envelope. I've just because we own. Bauer, who I work for, own Smash Hits, so it's the one thing we're going to steal from Smash Hits. The okay. one good thing we can take from them is that, and I've got an envelope full of questions. Pick out five, then. There's, okay. there's some of them are silly, some of them deep. Just pick out five. Well, pick out one at a go. Okay. So this is the first one. Okay. Here we go. <clears throat> Tell me what it says. Uh, if you are reincarnated, what would you like to come back as? Um. Tough one, really. Um, 
I don't know. I'm not sure. I think a woman. <laughs> any, any old woman, yeah. I think a woman, yeah. Just try a different perspective. Yes, yeah. Uh, but definitely in the female form, yeah. Good. Let's try another one. Uh, are you scared of going bold? Yes, I am, yeah. In fact, I had a, I've had a number three, <laughs> and I am thinning around the middle, and I've got a little mole on top of my head, and I thought, I can't be doing this. I'm in entertainment, you know. <laughs> But I have since learned to live with the fact that it, you can see it now. And i got one coming here anyway. And if anyone says anything, I've told myself that my answer will be it's a beauty spot. Yeah, that's that like, I've got loads of moles. moles yeah, fine. I've got tons but, all over But when yeah. you're bald, you're going to just, just roll with it. Yeah, and I think, really, nearly fifth day, am I worrying about an haircut? No, no. I don't know, it looks a bit, doesn't it? I don't think I don't know. Yours looks all right. They're acceptable. Yours is as well. You know, they're acceptably haircuts for people <laughs> yeah. of our age, aren't they? Yeah. I think if you're gonna, yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Third, a third one. <clears throat> I think we'll go to five. What is the most exotic thing you can cook? Uh, <sighs> <laughs> I can do a nice bit of fish in the oven with some olive oil on it and pepper it looks exotic when it's cooking that's about it well that's good yeah that's an answer don't, yep. Yep. don't be ashamed okay yeah, yeah. Yep. Feel, feel proud okay um what do you consider the most overrated virtue uh, wow. uh the over most overrated positivity <laughs> really <laughs> it really is it is it is it is it's a bit like going on a merry-go-round in winter isn't it Positivity. It's just not good, no. Okay. One more then. One more. Which living person do you most admire? Um, um my partner Claire. No. Yeah. She's fantastic. And I never thought I'd say that because it could be seen as a cliche and the right thing to say, but uh, no, that's actually true. Well that's fantastic. Great answers. Um, thanks very much for joining us, Jason. Thank you for the opportunity. You've been a very good sport. Yes, and thank you. I, this is I'm quite honoured that this is the first one, and you know, <laughs> it might be the last. <laughs> That'll do. Won't it? Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's it. So all I have to do now is to thank producer Sue and um, and thank everyone for listening. We'll be back very soon with another episode. So keep an eye on all the Q socials for information, and please, please, please do let us know what you think by getting in touch via qmail at cuethemusic.com. I just need to ask you one big favour, please. If you could rate us, subscribe to us on iTunes, that would be very, very, very much appreciated. <laughs> It'll be the wind beneath our wings that we all need. We'll be back very soon with another episode. OK, thanks very much. Cheerio. Thank you. Yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah? Yeah. Q presents the making of... <laughs>